Uh, Richard Mao, in a book titled Uncommon Decency, Richard Mao is formerly the president of Fuller Theological Seminary, now sort of public theologian, always friend to us at Pillar. Uh, in the book Uncommon Decency, he borrowed a poem from the poet William Yeats. Things fall apart. The center cannot hold. Mere anarchy is loosed upon the world. The blood-dimmed tide is loose, and everywhere the ceremony of innocence is drowned. The best lack all conviction, while the worst are full of passionate intensity. It was a hundred years ago. Things fall apart. I'm wondering if anyone knows what that feels like sometimes. We don't need a poet. We've got a nursery rhyme. Humpty Dumpty sat on a wall. Humpty Dumpty had a great fall. All the king's horses and all the king's men couldn't put Humpty back together again. We've been telling our kids things fall apart. We've been telling our kids for a very long time. And if you're alive, if you're awake, if your heart is beating sooner or later amidst the things falling apart, you have to ask questions about God. God? You've probably noticed things have gotten fairly complicated in the last little while. A global pandemic, trade wars, racial injustice, small businesses closing, schools closing too, online school still happening, in-present school trying their best with masks and distance and a whole lot of concerns. Divorce rates are up 34% this year over last year and two times higher this year over last year in couples who've been married for less than a year. Things fall apart. And sooner or later, you have to wonder about God. Uh, N.T. Wright, in a book titled God and the Pandemic, offers these words. The sorrow rises from the whole world like a pail of smoke, shaping the question we hardly dare ask. Why? The best answer I've heard in this moment has not been to the question why, it's been to the question what. What can we do? And I want to add, what, what can God do? What does God do? What is God doing when the hurts mount and the pain is real and the pressures rise and the disease and the dysfunction and the diagnoses and the devastations wreak havoc on our lives? What, what's God doing? I want you to listen with me to a story of what God's doing. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, when no herb of the field was yet in the earth and no plant of the field had yet sprung up, for the Lord God had not caused it to rain upon the earth and there was no one to till the ground, though a stream rose from the center of the earth to water the whole face of the ground, the Lord God formed man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. And the Lord God planted a garden in Eden in the east, and he placed the man that he had formed there. The Lord God caused to grow every tree that's good for food and pleasant to the sight, the tree of life also, in the middle of the garden. And the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. The Lord God placed the man in the garden to till it, 
and to keep it. And the Lord God said to the man, you may eat of the fruit of the trees that are in the garden, but of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, you shall not eat of it. For in the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And God said, it's not good. That man should be alone. I'll make a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused to grow every animal of the field and bird of the air and all cattle and brought them to the man to see what he would call them. And whatever the man called them, that was its name. The man named every living creature. But for the man, there was not found a helper as his partner. So the Lord God caused a deep sleep to come upon the man. And he slept. And the Lord God took from the man a rib, and he closed up the place with flesh. And out of the rib the Lord God had taken, he formed the woman. And he brought her to the man. And the man said, this at last is bone of my bone and flesh of my flesh. This one shall be called woman, for out of man she came. For this reason a man leaves his father and mother and clings to his wife. And the two become one flesh. And they were both naked, and they were not ashamed. Now, the serpent was more crafty than all the other wild animals the Lord God had made. And the serpent said to the woman, Did God say, You may not eat of the fruit of any of the trees that are in the garden? And the woman said, We may freely eat of the fruit of the trees that are in the garden, but God said, Of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, you shall not eat of it, nor shall you touch it, or you will surely die. And the serpent said, You'll not die, for God knows your eyes will be opened. And you will become like God, knowing good and evil. And when the woman saw that the tree was good for food and that it was pleasant to the sight and that it was desired to make one wise, she took of its fruit and she ate. She gave some to her husband who was with her and he ate. And their eyes were opened and they knew that they were naked. And they sewed fig leaves together and they made loincloths for themselves. They heard the sound of the Lord God walking in the garden at the time of the evening breeze and they hid themselves among the trees of the garden. The Lord God called out to the man, where are you? The man said, I I heard the sound of you and I was afraid because I'm naked and I hid myself. God said, "Who, who told you that you were naked? Have you eaten of the tree of which I commanded you? You shall not eat of it. And the man said, the woman whom you gave to be with me, she gave me the fruit. And I ate. And God said to the woman, what is this that you've done? And the woman said, the serpent tricked me. And I ate. And God said to the serpent, because you've done this, cursed are you among all animals and among all the wild creatures. Upon your belly you shall go. The dust of the ground you will eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman, between her offspring and yours. He will strike your head. You'll strike his heel. And to the woman, God said, I will greatly increase your pangs in childbearing. In pain you'll bring forth children, yet your desire will be for your husband and he will rule over you. And to the man, God said, because you've done this and listened to the voice of your wife and eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. Thorns and thistles it shall produce for you. By the sweat of your brow you will eat bread until you return to the ground. You are dust, and to dust you will return. 
The man named the woman Eve because she was the mother of all that live. And the Lord God made garments of skins for the man and his wife and clothed them. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. It's it's Genesis 2, most of it, and Genesis 3. You can find it in a Bible near you or maybe the smartphone on you. Yeats announced a hundred years ago, he probably had the 1918 flu on his mind and World War I still on his heart. He announced things fall apart, and I'm wondering what's on your heart. Eventually, sooner or later, you've got to ask questions about God. The Bible, frankly, certainly in this case, seems less interested in the question why and more interested in the question what. What is God doing when the pain mounts and pressure rises and sickness and sadness and brokenness and sin wreak havoc on our lives? What is God doing? I want you to notice a couple of things from this story. What God's doing, first, how it starts and then where it ends. This is how it starts. In the day that the Lord God made the heavens and the earth, it starts with God. Whatever else you want to make of Genesis, the creation stories, and there's lots to make of it, you've got to start here. It begins with God, God speaking life into existence, God breathing life into reality, and you and I have life because God speaks. It starts with God, and the action of God in the world, the the action of God in the world is to show up, to draw near, to be present. That's what God does in the world. The Lord God formed the man out of the dust of the ground and breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and the man became a living being. I love that scene. It's one of my favorite scenes in all the Bible. God stooping to a knee, hands dirty in the watery earth, forming the man out of the dust of the ground, shaping his curves and forming his curvatures. And then he stands back and says, yes, yes, that's my man. Only he doesn't stop. He, he draws closer still. He grabs the frozen man by the back of a neck like, the, like a father for his son. He takes him by the back of the neck. He puts his mouth over his nostrils and he breathes into him the breath of life. It's the picture of intimacy, presence, God near. That's what God does. Augustine says, God is more intimate to me than I am to myself. Uh, If I can confess a bad habit, the Browns have endured for several years now, every night, and by every night, I mean every night. Our four-year-old daughter, Ava, uh, will get out of bed. She'll run down the hall and into our... When she was really little, she was in a crib. Despite the chains and the locks, she still got out of the crib. I'm just kidding, no chains, no locks. We finally conceded. Now she's in a big girl bed. Uh, Every night, between somewhere between two and four... She, she opens the door. As soon as I hear the knob turn, I know. She opens the door. She, she, she closes it gently. Maybe that's the responsible thing to do. She, she, she run walks down the carpeted hallways from her bedroom to our bedroom. She slowly opens our door thinking maybe I won't wake them up. And then she slowly closes it because that's polite. And then she absolutely dives on us. She has to be touching us. Her hand over my face, her leg jabbing Kristen in the back. Her leg over Kristen's leg, her face shoved up against my face. If I'm honest, I love it. I can, I can feel the rhythm of her breathing. I can feel her tender, soft skin not yet hardened from the days. 
I can smell her midnight breath. That's what God does. God shows up. God draws near. He breathed into his nostrils the breath of life, and the man became a living being. When pain mounts, when pressure rises, when the coronavirus creeps in the shadows and some cry out, my God, my God, why? While racial injustice leaves our stomachs spinning and our hearts pounding and so many cry out, how long, O Lord, with disease and devastation and disaster all across our globe and so many crying, my eyes are filled with weeping, my pillows soaked with tears, God shows up. God draws near to be close. That's what God does. That's how it starts. Now here's how it ends. And the Lord God made garments of skin for the man and for his wife and clothed them. It had all been going so well. God breathed life into the man. He gave him a job. He got to till the garden and he, and he gave him a partner to do it with. They were doing it together, arm in arm, co-laborers for the kingdom. They got to enjoy evening strolls in the garden with God himself. It was all going so well and then things started to fall apart. The serpent slipped up behind the woman. Notice there's no explanation as to why. We just know that. The serpent slipped up behind the woman and started talking to her, started inviting her into what she already was. You can be like God, the serpent said. They're already like God. They're made in the image of God, but it was so tantalizing to them, this overreaching before them. So they took of the fruit and they ate. And the world's been falling apart ever since, spiraling in chaos and pain. Disease and disaster, earths quake, mountains explode, fires rage, diseases wreak havoc, people divide. It's been falling apart. And we've been doing a really good job of it ever since. I know we like to think this is the most unique time in the history of the world. It's been going on. It's been going on for a long, long time. The circumstances are different. The responses are different. But the reality remains. It's, it's been falling apart. And our tendency when it's falling apart is to divide. That's what they did. They hid from one another. They hid from God. So do we. We hold on to bitterness. We hang on to anger. We ignore the kid who's not like us, and we perpetuate systems of injustice and hurt. We turn a blind eye to the pain in the world because it's really not my fault. Someone else. The woman, she made me. We gossip and we backstab and we... And if you do anything that threatens my desires, my satisfaction, my security, I will let you know where you stand. We've been doing this for a long time. Things fall apart. And you know what God does? God shows up again. God shows up again. First, God shows up and says, where are you? Notice, not judgment, intimacy. Where, where are you? I long for you. And then finally... The Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife, and he clothed them. God draws near again. God shows up again, this time not just for creation for the sake of intimacy, but now for redemption. God shows up to redeem, to clothe us. And the best demonstration of God showing up is Jesus Christ himself, 
who showed up in the flesh, God, but God all the, God in the flesh, but God all the same. He suffered on the cross and died to forgive. He rose from the dead to redeem so that you might have life, full, whole, beautiful life. You are not defined by your past. The word you can't unsay, the action you can't undo, you're free. Jesus Christ has set you free. God has drawn close for redemption, restoration, reconciliation. I like the way N.T. Wright puts it. Same book. God in the pandemic, the secret of God's saving power is the self-giving love of the incarnate son. There you go. Try that on for size. The secret of God's saving power is the self-giving love of the incarnate son. God shows up. God draws near. God comes close to redeem. I was in a conversation earlier this week with a friend of mine. Uh, we'll call him Terry. Uh, we were sitting on the Adirondacks out in front of Pillar's Lawn, uh, Terry was telling me an experience he had when he was 81 years old. Apparently his heart was growing weak. He, he had known it for a long time, but the doctor said, you have six months. You have six months, I'll guarantee it, if you don't get a valve replaced, a, a bovine valve. He said it's like a 50-cent piece. It's a big valve. So he went in and he had the, he had the procedure, but it didn't, I mean, it went well, but, but he, he was slow to recover. He was days, days in the hospital, and his heart wasn't responding quite right. He was struggling. One night, he invited his beloved to get some rest, and he sort of teetered between waking and sleeping. He had a vision. He saw lights. They were, they were colorful lights. The lights themselves weren't the light. They, they, were, they were reflecting a different light. In, in the lights, there were balls or balloons, and in, in the balls or balloons, he could see people he knew. He couldn't see their, really their faces, but he knew he knew them, people he had loved and lost. And he heard a voice, the voice of one who held Terry, a grown man, 81-year-old man, now held like an infant child. And he heard a voice, a voice he recognized. Let it go. Let it go. Terry and I were on the front lawn. He was sharing this experience with me. I asked him about the presence. We knew. <laughs> it was Jesus. I asked him, what, what, did, what, did, what did the voice mean, let it go? He said, I, I think it meant let, let it go. The fear, the anxiety, the worry, the control. That was five years ago. Let it go. And I want to offer it again. I want to offer the words of the beloved Jesus himself. Let it go. The anger, the animosity, the fear, the bitterness, the sadness, the brokenness. Don't return to it. Let it go. You don't have to go that way anymore. You don't have to do that anymore. The Lord God made garments of skins for the man and for his wife, and he clothed them. Jesus Christ draws near. Jesus Christ shows up to redeem. That's what God does. In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen.